Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back. Episode two of the Wild Things podcast. Um, coronavirus is still going on. So our guest today is not going to be in studio again. So we're going to be using the same software. So that means the audio is not going to be the best, but I'm going to make it um, the best that I can make it. So let's just get things rolling and uh, let's roll that intro. All right, here we are. We are back for episode two of the Wild Things podcast. Uh, today's guest um, is someone I know really well. I've actually known this guy for like 21 years. Super awesome. I'm sure you know by the title, but everybody, uh, here's my big brother, uh, Jesse. What's going on, dude? What's up, everybody? Man, so when I told you I was doing a podcast, um, you were really stoked about it, and I was kind of bouncing names and stuff like that from you. And uh, we came up with some really good ideas. I don't really remember all of them, but some of them were dumb from me. And then you had some good ones. But then I was like, man, I'm just going to take this social media and see what people like think I should call it. And then uh, I can't remember who it was, but somebody <laughs> mentioned Wild Things Podcast. And I was like, dude, this is going to be so perfect because now we can use this for like the band. You can hop on, Kyle, Josh, like this is going to be super dope. But Oh, yeah. Um, well, I think I think the, I think you should have named it your uh, original favorite name, which was The Bust. I think that would have been really good. Dude, that was—I'm telling you—that was one of my better ones. I thought it—I thought it was be—I thought it would be like super funny because everyone's gonna be like, "Oh man, the bus!" Like that's just hella funny. So I'm gonna want to listen to it. The bus yeah, is was, a must. The bus is a must, and I'm sure you would have come up with some like hella funny intro to that or whatever. But no, that would have been good. Should have went with that. Yeah, one. it would have been good. That's okay. It's a different. It's, okay. it's a. It's a podcast for a different day, a different genre. Exactly. Maybe. Maybe in like ten years, we'll start a new one called the bus. If if podcasts are still around, but um, probably not, man. Probably not. But uh, man, so we're just going to be talking for a little bit. Um, I know I want to talk about our journey as like musicians and different bands we've been in. And then I want to talk about just some things you like to do outside of music, because I mean, our whole lives revolve around revolve around music and everyone talks to us about music and stuff. So I want to talk about movies and theme parks and traveling and your family and um, stuff like that. So let's let's start. Let's start from the top. So I guess we're just going to start talking about our music. Yeah, well, I thought it would be cool to talk about, um, we had just talked about this right before we started, about how when people find your music, they always think it's kind of, it's like the spot that you started from, and it's like, you know, you're just breaking out. And I remember watching the Grammys like, oh God, I think it was like eight years ago, and Fun won Best New Artist, and they made a comment like, we won Best New Artist, but we've been a band for 10 years, or like, we've been doing this for 10 yeah. years, maybe not that specific band. But I always thought that was an interesting thing, how you find a band that you like, but they've probably been in 10 or 15 bands before. Um, and I think we're unique in that we've been in a, a ton of bands, but we've always been in the band together. So the band has always been us, plus our friends or uh, our sister in certain cases and things like that. It's just interesting. You, there's a lot of uh, consistency across all those years, but such different bands. Yeah. And like, and if it feels just like one really big project and I know a lot of, uh, a lot of our friends and family and our parents, friends and stuff like that are always like, man, there are, are they still playing music together? And it's always like, it's always us together. They know that's just how it's been since I was like five. We haven't, we haven't split apart as a unit, you, me and Kyle. Um, but we've been in a part of so many other projects. Um, I think obviously this one is by far the best one because like Josh, Josh being in the band is like nothing before, dude. It's almost like 
we say, oh, yeah, our friend Josh. But it's so much more than that. Like, Josh really, really vibes and gels with us more than just a friend. Like, like that dude has seen me in my underwear too many times to just be a friend. And, like, I've shared a bed with that man so many times. And, like, we know so much about each other. And, like, I wanted nobody else at my 21st birthday trip than Josh because he's just, like, he's family. You know, like, you want him around for everything. Sure. Um, and so, like, it's almost yep. like whatever we do now is, like, Sure, like it's the three crossing boys, but Josh is like an honorary crossing. So I know that whatever whatever project, I think this is going to be the longest and best and most successful project we've ever had. Um, and we're already like four years, five years in. So it's well, we're actually new. we're two year two weeks away from five years. Holy cow, that's wild! Yeah, yeah. five years in already. It's already our longest um, project, um, and I know it's going to last way longer than. Um, we could even imagine so i think that's what happens with bands too is um it's always a long process to get where you want to be and we're not there yet but we're we're always moving always taking another step up and it's always fun it's always fun so uh, well it'll it'll happen as long as it's fun hey we should talk about maybe some of our like uh (laughs) like our favorite our favorite incarnations of our bands and i would like to start i would like to start by nominating doc Department of Corrections, yeah. our very first band. It was yeah, and just... this is this is something where people like fans have no like they know that we've been in a few other bands like the ones who have been here for a long time, but sometimes they don't know the names because you can't find these anywhere anymore. Like there's there's rarely any videos or any music out there that you can find, and so this is probably the first time people are going to be hearing these old band names, and they're probably going to be like feverishly looking them up trying to find old stuff. But yeah, let's start with DOC. What do you what do you <laughs> want to say about DOC? Yeah, so uh, our uncle Ernie, shout out Uncle Ernie. Everyone's got an Uncle Ernie, maybe just us. Everybody. But we have a, he gave me a garage, uh, not a garage band, a uh, guitar strap. Gave me a guitar strap and it said Department of Corrections, um, so a jail. And it was orange and I wore it and we named the band after the guitar strap, Department of Corrections, and it went by <laughs> DOC. And it was strictly classic rock covers. Yep. It was incredible. It was a three-piece at the start. It was guitar, drums, and then Kyle. And Kyle's voice hadn't changed yet. So, I mean, his range was just nuts. It still is. But, I mean, it was it was bonkers. It was bonkers, dude. And, like, man, it, it's just so weird to think about how long ago that was, too. Because I was, like, five years old. And I'm 21 now. Like, that was that was so long ago that all of this happened. Yet we still come across old cds and it's like it's almost cringy to listen to even though we know we were like just these little kids like messing around having fun and like man bless our parents for being so patient listening to us like fool around on all of our equipment like can you imagine like like throwing those kids on these like on a microphone and throwing them on like a drum kit and a guitar and just letting them make noise like that's got to be so annoying but man they toughed it out <laughs> it was probably really funny it was probably really funny i can't yeah. even imagine because my daughter is one right now and you were five so that's only four years so that's nothing that's like that's uh four years ago four years ago i was 21 so like the difference between being 21 and 25 and the difference between five and one if my daughter's on a drum set in four years i'm gonna just think it's unbelievable i I think it's i think it'd be amazing just to watch so i don't know strange it was a strange start though and definitely the music we were playing was really funny too because we were doing like acdc and playing songs like you shook me all night long oh my god i know and they're like 
these super inappropriate songs that you wouldn't even know until like you're old enough to just like know. And so like, obviously mom and dad aren't going around saying, all right, boys. So this song is going to be about, and you're like, you just hear, (laughs) you just hear a cool rock and roll song that our dad is playing in the garage or whatever. And you're like, Oh, we want to cover that. And so like, we just covered it. And so we're playing it at these like harvest festivals and like memorial shows and like people loved it, you know, like it was really cool and everyone was super supportive, the whole community and everything like that. But it's just like, it's so funny to watch these videos of these little kids playing You Shook Me All Night Long or like Highway to Hell. And like, it's just so funny until you're old enough to just realize what it actually is. And I think that's why so many people got a kick out of it. Yeah, for sure. And we had, uh, we had like a crosstown rival band at the time who was made up of our Little League (laughs) friends um, called the Knuckleheads. And they were by far way better than we were. (laughs) By far. By way far, better. So better and we should so, shout them out too their names too because they're, yeah they're oh yeah still good friends today tom clary gordy clary <laughs> uh freaking who else was in that band who was their who was their drummer i don't remember their drummer oh we knew them yeah we gotta we'll do dad, some research their dad their dad Stu clary you know was was super awesome he and he's a really good cook like he can barbecue like nobody's oh, yeah, and a good man, baseball so. coach too he's, he's still yeah. a good coach yeah, and so shout out to them for just being super cool. I don't know if you guys are going to listen to this, but we love you guys. But uh, Yeah, and then um, that band turned into uh, another cover band. And this was, this was different because in our town, there's a radio station called KUIC. And one of the DJs there, she's amazing. Her name is Donna Perry. Um, and so her daughter is a bass player and a singer. And so she joined the band, and I think I was like 14 Maybe, maybe at the time, maybe 14. And, um, and we also had my, well, our older sister, Courtney, join in as a vocalist. So we became a five piece. Um, and <laughs> our covers, we, in, instead of doing like ACDC and Leonard Skinner, we were doing like All American Rejects uh, and Paramore. Uh, Paramore. Hey oh, Monday. Yeah. oh, yeah. Hey Monday. And yeah. it was cool, dude. It felt so cool because like, this is the point where you're you're a teenager now. I'm still young. I'm only like eight years old, and so like this is my this was my first like introduction to that sort of genre where it's like oh this is what kids are listening to now. It's not like oh this is what my dad listened to 30 years ago. Like this is something that I can get on board with, and like I I wanted to like be you so bad, and so I was like oh Jesse's listening to Paramore. I'm gonna listen to Paramore, and then now we get to play it, and this is dope. Like so. Yeah. That was well, like the, hi- the super cool thing about it. The highlight of it for sure was that Kyle still sang super high. And so when our sister joined, Kyle would sing the high parts and Courtney <laughs> would sing the lower parts a lot of the time, or they would switch off. And it was like, you, you like it, it was interchangeable. It was incredible. <laughs> it was such a, yeah, such no. a fun time. We felt like we had made it and we called it little city lies, which is a band name that means absolutely nothing. Um, yeah, as they often do. it was just it was like it's not emo because we weren't emo necessarily but it's like it's very uh i don't know it i don't felt, know how you would describe that name it was very it felt very dramatic and that's, yes, what, we that's were, what i'm trying to say it felt really dramatic and like oh yeah we're little city lies or whatever and like hair was starting to get longer and stuff like that jeans were getting tighter yeah, it meant like, nothing that, i wore so, yeah yeah <laughs> jeans were getting tighter not really not for me I was wearing, I remember some of the old uh, Little City Lies. I thought I looked so cool. I would wear like this little beanie thing that went over my head and my hair was like not that long. It's longer now than it was then. 
and it was all bushy and puffy and I would wear like a Converse shirt, but it was brown. So it didn't even yeah. look cool. And I'd wear blue jeans that were like straight cut. Like oh, yeah, I, remember that. I remember that. Yeah. Jeans oh, were not tied up yet. Little city. No I'm thinking way. later. Yeah. That's so funny. And do you remember your, uh, your Jimi Hendrix, like green or brown shirt. And he was like yellow on it. It was, or brown. it was brown. All my shirts were brown. I just wore a bunch of brown shirts. So, and then your, your thick ass vans that mom and dad would buy you. Yeah. I wore thick vans up until like my third year of college. I still get made fun of a little bit. Um, because my <laughs> shoes were, were huge and super wide vans are sick, but the way I was wearing them, not sick, not sick, not cool. Cause you, cause you weren't like a skater, dude. There was no reason you needed to have the skate shoes. Like, like slip on vans are cool. Like there's so many cool vans now, but like you were wearing specifically the skate shoes because you just have big feet in general. And so mom and dad thought you had to get the big, like thick shoe. Like your shoes well, had yeah. to be thick too, I suppose. And also dad was so so sturdy and firm about white shoes all the time. <laughs> yeah. They were always white. They all they had to be all white from like top to bottom and under. And so like I was wearing big white shoes. So it, the only thing that could make a big shoe look bigger is if it's just clean white. And then it's like <laughs> it blinds people when you walk by and you and like I used to be made fun of my friends used to say I walked like goofy. And from disney and so like my feet would like clippity clop and i would just have like these big big ass white white shoes just flopping everywhere so it was not good man it was a it was a and, rough time and this by no means is is mom or dad's fault we were just like me growing up too man i was such like a, a weirdo with my like beatles haircut that i chose to have while you so you looked like this and at the same time I was super into the Beatles for some weird reason. And I had oh, yeah. a bowl cut. I was wearing like these striped berets, sweaters and berets and berets with like the circle John Lennon glasses. And like, I chose to do that. Nobody put that on me. I chose to do that. And Kyle, so, like, wore, Kyle wore oh. little newsboy caps, man. He wore a little like oh, extra, extra caps. And, and like, <laughs> and, and bless Kyle's heart. I love him to death, but this was during his chunky phase. Oh, and, hell like, yeah. <laughs> this was Kyle's chunky face. And so it was just like, just the perfect recipe, man. And like Courtney was cool. Courtney wore her like black hoodie with like the stars, like the different colored stars all over uh -huh. it. And like, she just looked like a normal teenage girl, but us three yeah, but boys very, had to very really mix it up. Very specifically. And I, I would, I would implore people to go Google search 2009 high school girl, because that's the, that is like the wardrobe that she wore. It was like, it's so 2009 and it's like unmistakable. And it, that's how we all looked. Only Courtney actually just like, she fit it. But you're exactly right. The black hoodie with like a pink, a blue and a yellow star on it. And like, it was always a zip hoodie, I think. Yep. Yeah, and, always. Yeah. And that was when she was, I mean, she was wearing like skinny jeans because that's what she wore, but we were not with that yet. So, oh man, tough times. Tough I was times, wearing, but. I was wearing tank tops. Yeah, and those like those were good memories though. None of it was like, none of it was horrible. That was all just kind of fun and like just kind of awkward or whatever for you, not for me because I was eight and you were like fourteen. But like or whatever the age, I was like, I don't remember the age difference. I know matter. we're five years apart, but I can't remember how old you were. But it uh, yeah, it, no, dude, you, it, it well, it was lame you know for you because I, you were like you were getting. I was gonna say we probably should really quickly take a moment to give a shout out to uh, Victor Moffat who was like the, he was a guitar slash bass player that played with us 
during Department of Corrections into Little City Lies and then like cut off right at Little City Lies. But he brought like the cool level of our band so high up for like a good year, two years. And it was like, it was, it was honestly, I won't, I won't name names, but I definitely lost girlfriends to this guy. He was so cool. Like he he was so (laughs) cool. And he was so much better at guitar than I was. And annoyingly, he was so much better at guitar hero too. So like he, he was better at fake guitar than I was too. It it sucked. But any he was kind of he was guitar, cool. he was better. Yeah, he was better at even if it wasn't real air guitar, anything, dude. He just looked cooler and was better at it than you. For sure. No doubt. I think I still think I had him on bass though. I I still feel like bass was was my thing. And to this day, yeah, I think he, I, I mean he didn't want to be a bass player because he was just he was he was honestly, and I'm not saying this like in a weird negative way, he was just he didn't want to be a bass player because he was too good to be a bass player. And he really is. He still is to this day. He's an incredible guitar player. And so yeah, or he, it was like he, was, he was like, he was too good at guitar to not be using him on guitar all the time. It was exactly, it was exactly. And then another shout out to Christine, our bass player for little city lies. You know, she's, she's awesome. You know, she was so fun to be around and, and hang out with. And she was, and she was pretty cool too. So, I mean, like shout out to yeah, her. No um, so that was Little after, City Lies, After right? Little City Lies, after Little City Lies, we did like a transition into a band called Cheating Daylight. And this is when I feel whoa, personally... Whoa, 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 whoa. You skipped a major step, dude. What's my major step I skipped? You skipped the Crossin' Brothers. Oh my God. Okay. How could you skip that? Oh, that's so huge. I just forgot, man. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> too many. There's a full ass album out there, dude. Like, <laughs> no. like the Crossing Brothers. Okay, so after Little City Lies, we just became the Crossing Brothers, which was a three piece band. And then Robbie Jimenez, who some Color Wild fans will know as the original bass player for the Color Wild, he played bass for us um, for, I don't know, a year until he moved to Philadelphia to go to school. But Robbie was like, like brought up the coolness level again. Like I felt like I feel like we were I feel like we've been carried in coolness by the people that come into the project yep. outside of our bloodline. And so the Crossing Brothers was cool because it was the first time that we really did exclusively original material. That was the cool yeah. thing about it. And then also also Brandon Anderson, our guitar player that we added to the mix. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Brandon had really swooshy hair and he was also better at guitar probably than I was. Um, and also very funny, very, very yeah, good dude, impressionist. He was so fucking funny. And like, it was cool because he was like close in age, like closer to me, you know, which is awesome because I've been in bands with people who are much, I mean, like I've had Kyle, but like, that's my brother. I haven't had like, a uh, a friend in the band who wasn't like blood, but you guys were like, I mean, I was friends with everybody. You guys were closer in age with like Christine and Victor and Robbie, but now we have Brandon where me and him can say our stupid, immature, like kid jokes and like we'll laugh to each other while everyone else rolls our eyes and so that was the coolest thing is now i had brandon in the band and like and he was so good dude he was so he was he was a a shredder too he was he was really good and is good from my understanding he's older now i don't know exactly what brandon's up to but i'll probably hit him up because he's he was yeah we should he was a good he's a good guitar player killer i know he was doing dj work for a little bit after too so i know i know he's like staying busy and stuff like that but we should definitely reach out DJ Big B, that's what I call him. DJ Big B? Yeah, Big Brandon, man. Big B. He's big the big Brandon. he's he's the guy. He's the he's the big DJ, man. 
But Crossing um, Brothers, Crossing Brothers was fun because we we got to go to LA a lot and and record a lot of stuff um, and and make a lot of cool music and work with some cool people. But the thing that a lot of people don't know, which I'm okay with saying now, because like when I was younger, I was like, okay, we'll just keep it private or whatever. But like, I didn't I didn't play drums on a lot of those tracks. It was our it was our producer that we had with us um, who was drumming, and it was it was honestly like. I had, I didn't really care, you know, it's like whatever, like it's business and stuff like that. But like, I didn't play a lot of those tracks and it was like, we have to, I was only like 11 years old, you know, this is like, this is money on the line from, from people and stuff like that. And this is time. And we only have, you know, you get a certain amount of time in the studio with these big people. And so let's knock it out fast. So I only played drums on maybe two or three or four of those tracks. And like, it doesn't bother me. It didn't upset me. I was 11. I was like, cool. You know, like, I helped write the song and now this guy's playing on it right on. I'll get to play it live. Like it doesn't matter. But um, a lot of people don't know that I wasn't playing on those tracks. And so I guess that's a good thing because I got to replicate it live and it was like, okay, you did it just as good. So like that was fine by me. Um, but there was yeah. a lot of cool things we got to experience. It was kind of like you got to go to the studio and watch. It, okay. It's like you're like a quarterback in football and you get drafted to a team that already has a quarterback. That's really good. You like sit and you back them up and you watch what they're doing. And I think you saw a lot of the stuff that Robin was doing back then um, when he was playing drums and you would, you would see what he did. You'd hear what he did and you'd emulate it live because you could play live. You play the hell out of the drums when you were that age. So you, I think that it was probably really cool um, or probably really beneficial as a drummer over time that you got to see that kind of example and then, emulate it which made you a better drummer in the long run yeah definitely definitely watching him was was a really cool thing for me um and having that opportunity was awesome and like i said it, it never really bothered me um and it still doesn't to this day because i got to learn so much from that guy so that was yeah. a cool experience we we played a few shows and um and we made a really good friend rick gray i don't know if he's ever gonna listen to this but rick we love you you're awesome um he supported us uh still does um he was our he was our manager and stuff like that during the crossing brothers um but that that's written and then robbie went off to college and we were like okay it's it's time for something new and so now i'll let you talk about uh the next project yeah our next project was sick because it was called cheating daylight and it was like we were put together in a lab like it, we took us out of our band and mixed the band with um two boys named connor and jake uh gill they're the gill brothers and um if you guys find them on instagram i'm not going to give you their handles but you definitely should go try to find them because they're still playing good music and they're really incredible guitar players and singers and songwriters um and they're still active and they do their stuff out of the bay area but um they came from lake county and we combined our bands and we were kind of based out of lake county and um it was original music but it was a little bit more um I don't know. It was like classic rock in nature, but with a little bit more modern songwriting, but we also did so much stuff. Like we had a manager who was really influential in like what kind of instrumentation we would use and had a really deep hand in like what kind of songs would make the records and stuff like that. And so it was a very, very interesting musical project for us because we were always doing something different and we had so many different instruments on stage. I think we had like, 30 inputs at one point because we had so many different guitars and so many different like banjo and harmonica and all different keyboards and things like that. It was, it was pretty intense for many years, but I do think that we learned how to be a band and how to act professional 
through that. So if we got anything out of Cheating Daylight, it was by far the professional experience of being in a band and taking it seriously like a business. Yeah, um, definitely. And like, and the thing with that, like you were mentioning all the inputs and stuff like sound guys genuinely hated us because we had mandolins and banjos and drum pads and two keyboards or one keyboard and two guitars and a bass and and five vocals and like it was the most insane thing because like and we didn't run any tracks back then we hadn't run any tracks and so that was at least good you know we didn't have any of that but it was like our music was kind of all over the place you know like we different and and it was like we tried to make it all the same, but it just wasn't there because we all, each one of us were listening to different music. So like you, this is when you were in the heat of like, you know, your jazz studies in college. I'm not saying that's all you listen to. You listen to a lot of pop and stuff like that, but this is right when you're like really getting into your jazz at Sac State and stuff like that. And then I was really into like forever the sickest kids. Like what the hell was I doing in hot shell Ray and stuff like that. And then Kyle, this is when he was like, so Kyle's like a senior in high school. He's, and I would drive to school with him. He's playing country music. And then on the way home, it's like metal. And then you have Connor listening to like punk and stuff like that. And Josh listening to like metal or not Josh, <laughs> Jake listening to like metal. And so it was like so many different pieces coming together and sounding like this big, giant, hot mess that sometimes would just be really awesome. And sometimes would be a little bit confusing to some people, but it was fun for us to play live. And so yeah. like it was fun. Like the the whole experience of writing and going to the studio at prairie sun and working with isha and stuff was was so much fun and and all the traveling because we did so much traveling going to different states and playing all these festivals and stuff like that but there was a lot of aspects that were kind of like weird like like you know we didn't always get to choose what we got to wear you know like sometimes sometimes it was just like here like on our on our email that we got i can't remember what the email was called like the day of the show or like before but what was it called? Tech Pack. It was called Tech Pack. Yeah, the game day Tech Pack. He would send to us our manager, and he would say like, "Here's what you're wearing, and here's your set list," which he would make and stuff like that. And I got to say, like the set list, like it looked very like like aesthetically pleasing. Like it was it was highlighted. It was cool. It was but good. like, but sometimes we didn't get to decide what we were wearing or what we were playing, and we just kind of went along with it, which which is fine or whatever. But it's just not quite what yeah. we wanted yeah to but do you know what time. Uh, even to this day we still have managerial influence on like wh- how we look and like what songs we like and if we like mixes and stuff but that's what we sign up for when we get a manager but back then the the extra kind of element to it was that the clothing that was like selected for us wasn't just like oh you're gonna wear a black t-shirt and this or you're gonna do this and that i don't mind if people tell me how to look i wish people would tell me how to dress but i think personally it was weird because the stuff we were it was like vests that had like metal like brackets and studs. And like, I had like a choker that was around my, like, my collar went all the <laughs> way up like a turtleneck, but then it was like a long, it was almost like a straight jacket. It looked like a straight jacket sometimes. And like, yeah, the, I think you, I think you invented the choker. I think you were the first person to wear a choker. God, man. And the other thing too, is that the weather did not matter. So like we would get told, and you know, this was all for the sake of branding and looks. So business wise, I understood, but like it would, we would get told that, okay, you're going to wear your vests, your sleeveless vests on this trip. And so you'd pack the vest and then it was like 25 degrees outside. Yeah. On like top of the, Vegas. we're playing on top of the Cosmo and it's 30 degrees, wind chills and everything. It's like, yeah, well, and, the, the, the game day tech packs said vest. So put on your yeah. vest. 
it was a it was definitely a weird time, but also a very very transformative time where we learned a lot about how yeah. to be a band, and and I wouldn't trade it for the world. And also we made we made really good friends in the gills, and I really respected them as musicians, and still do. Um, and I still remember a lot of the things that I learned musically back then that um, turned me into a. That's when I started playing keyboards on stage, which now is the thing that I do predominantly, other than singing. And so like I was transforming who I was on stage and how to perform and how to take it seriously. And I think it makes us a better band now. And I wouldn't trade it for the world because also our parents were so supportive back then and still oh are. My God, but, yeah. but back then they, they really, they turned the gears and, and made it happen and did things that, you know, you could never even ask your parents to do to try to help our dream happen. So it was, yeah, it was an amazing and, time. And you're talking about mom and dad driving hours with us you know up and down california and to uh, nevada and dad flying all the way to florida and tennessee and georgia and all these places when they're still you know these normal adults you know with their jobs and um and providing uh food for us to eat and like when we traveled you know like you and me weren't paying for our food and souvenirs out of pocket, you know, like this is mom and dad supporting us and the gills and their parents doing the same exact thing and doing so much for us. And so like, and also another thing you were talking about how you started playing keyboards and stuff in that band and, and learning how to put on a show and stuff like that, but also dude, proper studio etiquette. Like we learned oh, yeah. so much in that band cause we were in the studio so much days at a time staying at the studio, doing all these things. And you just learn how to be a professional. And it's like, it's like the the mama bird like pushing you out out of the nest and it's like here you are like you're in this really nice studio where these huge artists have been before so now Jaden I know you're 13 but grow up be a professional for a little bit mm-hmm. and that taught me so much and it's super cool even though like I fucked around with Connor all the time at the studio and like pulled pranks and did stupid things like that but like you get you get taught how to be a professional and that has helped me personally and I know the rest of us um, so much, um, in the band that we're in now and, and everything that we do now. Um, so that was such a, a huge learning experience for all of us. And I know that for a fact. For sure. And then it, it propelled us into when that band did end, it, it basically ended because <clears throat> so many of us wanted to do different, different styles of music than what we were doing. And it just wasn't a good fit anymore. And the Gills wanted to do something that they felt passionate about. And we felt passionate about a different style of music. And it wasn't really a breakup. It was just a, just we dissolved the entity that was the band so that we could all be free to do other things. And it was complicated, but then we were able to start a band that we are still in today called The Color Wild. And and because of that time, we learned how to be the professionals that we try to be every day as The Color Wild. So... Um, exactly and and the color wild originally started with you me and kyle um and we're like we we still want to create music we but we want to do it our way everything until it comes to the point where maybe we get you know a manager and stuff like that but until then we're doing this our way we're writing the music we want to write we're playing the music we want to play and wearing what we want to wear everything that we want to do this is just going to be free it's going to be whatever we want it to be and eventually, you know, we, uh, we added Robbie, we reached out to him again. It's like, Hey, you're back home. You know, we want to, we want to add you in this project. So he was an official member. And then we were like, okay, this is fun and stuff like that. But then we were like, well, what can we do now? Like, how can we expand on this? And we went to the studio, made these two songs and released them as our first stuff as the color wild and, and stuff like that. And then, uh, 
Josh Hansen, our one of our friends from high school. We all went to school with Josh at different times, which was really cool. Um, and I was the last one to go to school with him, and you were the first. And so we all had met him through high school, but at different times. And then he he had reached out and said, hey, if you guys ever need a guitar player, like I'd love to just jam out or whatever. And so we were like, hey, you know, let's let's hit this guy back up. You know, we knew him in high school. Let's just jam out. And so we sent him our songs that are two songs that we had. He came over. We jammed. We talked about it for a day, although I think we all kind of knew. And we we're like, yeah, we want this guy to be a part of the Color Wild. And so he came in. There's even I even have a video on uh, it's either the band Instagram or it's just on my phone of Josh, like signing this crayon contract that we want him to be in the band and stuff like that it means nothing but like sentimental it means everything but uh josh you know joined the band and and so um later down the road you know robbie um was like you know i want to i want to spend more time in the church and stuff like that which we we've all we were all going to church with robbie and stuff like that and so it's like yeah dude do that this is your calling whatever you got to do whatever you want to do please go do it we'll support you 100 percent and so Robbie's been working with the church and now he he lives in Philadelphia again with his family. He just had a son. So Robbie, we love you. Congrats on that. And you and Vanessa, super awesome. We love you guys. Um, so he's doing that and we love that. And he's been supporting us. And so now, man, I just I just want to talk about Josh for a little bit and I want you to kick it off. I just want to talk about that guy. Yeah, well, I think <clears throat> my final thought kind of on the color wild um, is just that everything about it feels exactly what we wanted it to be um, and what felt natural for us, like musically and aesthetically and the kind of branding that we have and who, who we are as people feels a little bit more free than it ever has, but also the, the connection between us and our bandmate is so much like a family connection um, because Josh is, is like family to us now. And so it's not only the music that feels right. Finally, like after 16, 17 years of doing this, it's not just the music that feels right. It's the chemistry that feels perfect. And we've had great chemistry with our bandmates before we love them all. But Josh is like the one that brings what we don't have into the equation and also enhances what we do bring in just by being him. By, by being himself and by being the musician that he is. So um, I'm really excited for everything that's coming for The Color Wild because we have, you know, a new EP that we just finished and we have Bailey Zindel from Hi Mom in Sacramento and Half Heart Media. He's doing our album art. We're really excited about it. And Elliot Polakoff from Cemetery Sun was our producer and engineer on the entire record. Um, and so we have like just this amazing team doing some really incredible things right now in a time that's very difficult and very uncertain. We feel certain in the fact that we're just having a great time being musicians. And that's kind of the, it's a cool latest chapter to our story. Um, makes you excited for the next one. Yeah. Every, everything just kind of, like you said, it just feels like it right now it is everything that we wanted it to be when we started this project. And like, it's like it's so cool to watch it develop over five years and and to have the fans that we still have and that are and that we're getting today and it's like it's so cool that we get to um i don't care if it's 10 people that like stream our new song or whatever or reach out to us on twitter i don't care what number it is like we get to do this and people care and like no matter what the number is it's only going to get bigger because i know that that we genuinely care about what we're doing. And I know that people who are following us genuinely care about 
what we're doing as well. And our team and our manager, Andrew, um, has given just just everything to us, you know, and has helped us so much and uh, helped us evolve into what we are now, even though this this all started as just like a, a fun classic rock cover band. It's turned into this thing that we want to do forever. And like you wouldn't be doing this if you didn't believe in it because you have you know, my niece Quinn, like that's, that's your baby. And, and you gotta, you gotta feed her. You gotta buy the diapers and stuff like that. And you, yeah. you wouldn't still be doing this if you didn't believe in it. And my sister-in-law Alexa believes in it too. And, and our whole family has never, ever left, you know, like our side creating music, even though sometimes it was kind of shaky and kind of weird and awkward and, and questionable there, like everyone has still bought in and, and supported us. And that's, I think that's the reason why we're still doing what we're doing is because not only do we believe in the project, but, but everyone around us believes in it too. And we surround ourselves with people who genuinely care about it. And that's the coolest thing. Absolutely. Well, that feels like kind of a nice place to kind of uh, put a bow on it and wrap it up for the day. What do you say? Yeah, I think so. Well, Jesse, thank you. Um, thank you for being on. I know you're going to be on this all the time and stuff like that, but uh, guys, you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram um at jesse crossan he's all over you know follow our band um at the color wild uh, we're we're really doing this podcast and i'm doing this podcast and i started it so we can uh just have another platform to talk to you guys about whatever even if it's just with our friends talking about football or basketball or baseball whatever it is like we're going to keep doing this um jesse's going to be here um way more often and yeah i think that's going to be it thank you guys for you know sticking around and jesse thank you for being on and let's uh Let's, uh, let's do this uh, more often. Sounds good, man. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show, and I will be back. Yeah, so back much. very soon. Right on, guys. Peace. See ya. Thank you, guys, for listening to Episode 2 of the Wild Things Podcast. Um, it was super awesome having Jesse with me, and honestly, I think I'm going to have him back um, almost like a segment all the time to talk about new updates with the band and everything going on during quarantine and everything with his life, having a kid and a wife and all those cool things. Um, but thank you for listening. I'm sorry again that the sound isn't exactly what I want it to be. Um, once quarantine is over and I can get people in studio, it will be so much better. I promise you, but thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking it out. Um, tell your friends and post about it, share it. And, uh, I'll be back with episode three soon. Peace.